trigger warning, a uh, little kid dies this week uh, in a very brutal way. So if that's a thing that you're just not in the mood to listen to, uh, you can just skip this week. Come back next week. Uh, we'll have something a uh, little, little less sad for for next week. So um, that's it. That's That's your warning. If you keep going, it's on you. It's our weird world. Our weird world. Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson. And this week, uh, we are looking at the uh, story of the death of James Bolger. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Probably not, but I'm paranoid. Why? How does this fit into... Uh, the show's overall theme, all right? Like, I get serial killers because, you know, we're fascinated by that, but this is the story, the single story, of one one young boy who got murdered. This is not specifically a true crime podcast, and you're right, it's not, but uh, just in our morbid fascination of things and just how this story plays out, uh, still fits, I think, because is a little kid who then got murdered by other little kids. And that's, that's pretty weird. You don't really see that happening a lot. So let's go ahead and jump into story time. On February 12th, 1993, two 10-year-old boys, Robert Thompson and John Venables, uh, decided to skip school and go over to the New Grand Shopping Center in Bootle, England. That's a cute name. Alden to Bootle. I don't know. It's going to be like, I want to do British accent because that's where this story takes place, but I'm so self-conscious about my British accent sounding like an Australian accent that it's probably just going to sound Australian. And you're just going to have to deal with it. All right. Anyway, uh, the two kids uh, just completely unattended. Like this was what's so fun about the 90s uh, is that parents, it was still a time where parents just let their kids roam free unattended. All right. That sounds preposterously like a stupid thing to do right now in today's in today's world. But it just happened all the time. I mean, like, for example, I grew up in a very rural part of the country but in the nineties and I like my parents would just let me walk like two miles by myself to my grandparents' house along relatively busy roads, like not like residential streets or anything. Like I grew up on the side of a U.S. highway and then the roads to my grandparents' house were like back roads, but they were main roads. Like it was, it was the main back road. So they, they were pretty heavily trafficked. And I'm just like a little six-year-old kid in the middle of the summer, just walking by myself. And I just show up and be like, hey, Granny and Pa, I'm here. Gonna hang out, gonna play some baseball, gonna get me some powdered donuts. I think I am. Yes, right. And that was it. And everyone was just totally cool with it. And, but... Can't do that now. Can't de- nope, not going to do that now. You're going to get at least social services called on you for child endangerment. Anyway, that's a fun tangent. Um, these kids, they skipped school and then they just went to this shopping center and they just started stealing a bunch of stuff. They stole candy, toys, batteries, a can of paint, 
Um, and eventually, eventually all of their theft got really boring. So they decided they were going to kidnap another kid and then lead him out to the highway and push him into oncoming traffic. Yeah, just like regular kid fun. I think we all, we were all there at one point, right? Um, so that afternoon, Denise Bolger and her two-year-old son, James, uh, were visiting this shopping center. And after spending several minutes inside of A.R. Tim's butcher shop, Denise realized that James had just disappeared, right? And I think most parents have had this happen to them at some point. Like you have this, this toddler, small child who has the ability to walk and is super curious and just disappears in a giant store. And you have that moment where your heart just falls right almost out of your butthole. Like your butthole is the only thing keeping your heart inside your body at this point. And it's probably very panic inducing. It's probably very stressful, very scary. And that's what happened uh, because mainly because you think things like this uh, have happened. Uh, Denise realized James had disappeared. And what she did not realize was that uh, Robert Thompson and John Venables had come into the butcher store, walked up to James and just grabbed him by the hand. and was like, Hey James, let's go on an adventure, whatever, however they sound. And they just led him right off the property. And these two boys, they took James over to the Leeds and Liverpool canal, less than half a mile from the shopping center where the boys started off. Like they just started by picking him up. And just dropping him on his head. Like that's, it's, I, I'm going to laugh at very inappropriate moments because that's my defense mechanism for when awful, sad, terrifying things happen. I can't help it. So I'm going to apologize beforehand, but also just kind of that image where you have like two 10 year olds and 10 year olds aren't exactly like big kids. Like they're still pretty small. All right. And they're both picking up this two-year-old. They're just picking up a toddler. So probably like, you know, two and a half, three feet off the ground. And then just dropping him on his head. And like, that's probably not good. Like, long-term effects of that, not great. But um, they they got bored of that. And they kind of talked about like just throwing him into the canal and just to get rid of him. But then they decided like that really wasn't fun enough. So... And here's, here's what's crazy about this whole story. Along the way, like several people saw what these boys were doing and they just didn't do anything about it. Um, while they were, uh, or like in between dropping him on his head and like going to another spot, two separate people walked up to the boys and just kind of asked them what was going on. Um, they told the first person that James was their little brother and they were just like hanging out. And they told the other person that James was lost and that they were just taking him to the police station. And so it's like, you know, it's, you know, these people come out. Oi, we're your parents. Hey, man, he's just our little brother. We're going to take him around your town. Oh, all right. This, they're all the same voice. <laughs> and it's, and they're just, you know, taking him around. Um, eventually... The two, uh, all three boys arrived in the village of Walton. They're just like going to different. I mean, like I know like London or England is a very densely populated area. And like, so like villages 
can be like right next to each other. It's like neighborhoods and stuff. But they arrived in the village of Walton. And although they literally were standing across the street from the police station, the boys instead took James up an embankment to a railway line. And then they started torturing him. All right. They started by opening the can of paint that they had stolen and like flicking bits of paint into James's left eye. They then kicked him. They threw bricks and rocks at him. They took the batteries that they stole and shoved him and shoved them in his mouth. Um, police would actually later speculate that they shoved some of the batteries up James's butt hole because I mean, look, why not make it worse for everyone involved? This is already a very traumatic situation. Let's just go ahead and speculate that like even worse things, like all of the bad things happened. Um, Throughout this ordeal, here's the th- here's the thing: thirty eight different people, at least thirty eight different people, saw what was going on, and they didn't do anything. They were just like, "Oh, it's weird. That's Australian." I I heard it that time. I I felt I heard that one. All right, my wife is right. Let it be known. All right, <laughs> but they just saw it, and it's and they just didn't do anything about it. Uh, finally. The boys dropped a 22-pound iron bar on top of this this little boy, and that finally killed him. Um, in all, James suffered 10 different skull fractures among, like, 42 other different injuries. And when they realized that James was dead, Thompson and Venables laid him across the railroad tracks and weighed him down with some nearby rubble in hopes that like a train would come through and run over him, which is exactly what happened. Train comes through, runs over this dead body, really just finishes the job as if it wasn't done already. Um, James's body was actually found cut in half two days later. Um, Then at that point, you know, police are, you know, opening an investigation, trying to figure out what happened. Uh, Closed circuit television cameras inside the shopping center got reviewed. They found footage of Thompson and Venables leading James out. uh, And they finally found the boys and they questioned them. And then when they questioned them, they really didn't confess to doing it. But they gave a few details about like where they had gone. Uh, And that was enough. Like they were both quickly charged with James's murder. And because of the massive amount of public outrage, British authorities had to move the like both families to different parts of the country to get them away from like any credible death threat. Like everyone in Britain, rightfully so, was really pissed off about this. And they there were a ton of death threats coming in just and and I get it like kids kids suck and so it's like you see what these two little snotty buttholes were doing and you just want to kick them you just want to kick them right in the head and just punt them as far as they can go as far as just a little twerpy 10 year old body can go you just get some get some lift get some air under it and just see how far they can go realistically probably not very far uh You'll probably actually hurt your foot trying to kick a 10-year-old very far. But it's fun to think about. And so, um, (laughs) where are we at? The next year, uh, 1994, uh, the two boys were convicted of murder and sentenced to be detained, uh, quote, at Her Majesty's Pleasure, 
which is just a silly British way of saying indefinitely. Like it's, I probably dates back to when the queen actually had power to handle some of these sentences. But so they, you know, it just, whenever the queen feels like it, you may be released or whatever. And so, um, prosecutors, however, only recommended that the boys be, uh, detained for a minimum of 10 years. And, when word got out that they could be released as early as 2003, uh, a petition came back with over 275,000 signatures demanding that that actually not happen, which is great. I love that the entire country, well, not the entire country, but probably the entire country has just turned on these kids. <laughs> you know, it's just like, well, we know kids can make mistakes and they're young and they're learning, but these two eh, kill them. We hate them. They, they don't deserve anything. Um, Home Secretary Michael Howard uh, decided with that. Uh, he tried to up the minimum sentence to 15 years, but that decision ended up being overturned three years later. Uh, while all of this was going on, Thompson and Venables were sent to separate detention facilities and were taught how to conceal their real identities. Because, I mean, like, they the, the authorities knew. Like, if these kids ever get out, there's going to be some real street justice going on. Like, I don't know how British street justice works, but it's probably, it's probably not as tough. Hopefully, hopefully someone would have killed them, but you know, we'll see here that, that it didn't really happen. Um, in 1999, the boys lawyers then appealed to the European court of human rights, asserting that their trial had been heavily biased and that they had been denied a fair hearing. Um, how, and and again, like I work with lawyers, there are a lot of lawyers who are a lot of good people, defense lawyers for the most part, I think try to do a fair job, but there's this, there's this small section of defense lawyers who are tasked with defending the worst people and try to do everything they can to make it seem like it wasn't their client's fault. And those are the morally devoid people that I think give lawyers across the board a bad name. Cause it's like, if I'm a defense lawyer and like, I don't know, I can say this now because I, you know, this is just how I thought, but maybe if I had gone to law school and maybe if I took like some sort of oath or something, maybe I would feel differently, but it's like, you want me to represent this kid who brutally murdered a toddler, just like, just like, like horror movie levels of torture on a toddler, random acts of violence for no reason, had no connection to this kid. And you want me to be like, no, this wasn't fair. If he'd had a fair trial, maybe the outcome would have been different. Like, no, that's not. No, you can't. There's no defending this. And yet there were lawyers out there who tried to do it. Uh, In this instance, however, the court dismissed this notion that the trial was biased, but they did uphold the argument that it wasn't fair. And. I guess if you're looking at, oh, cat's got the poop zoomies. If you look at, I don't know how you get a fair trial. 
in in an instance like this, you know, like you do something that heinous and everybody already knows about it. I don't know how you get a fair trial unless you go down to like the Amazon or something and find a village where they don't get the news and have them kind of be the jury. I don't, but that would just be such a long drawn out process. I don't know how that would actually work. Um, so six months later, uh, James's family, they were not happy about this. They appealed to the same European court of human rights. And basically they asked if they were really that crazy to consider letting Thompson and Venables go free. And the court was like, yeah, yeah, we are that crazy. And so in June, 2001, the, this European court ruled that Thompson and Venables were no longer a threat to public safety and that they should be released. Uh, and they were, they only served eight years for this murder. And like, now look, you can make the argument that like, Oh, they were young boys. They didn't really know fully. They didn't fully understand the scope of what they were doing. Who cares? I think as a child, you know, that killing is bad. Okay. And you, you just don't do it. You know, at least like you don't really granted, you don't understand the full ramifications. I don't think you can expect that from any 10 year old. But I know when I was a 10-year-old, I knew that killing things was bad, or at least killing people was bad. I didn't understand the full scope of how killing another person would then affect so many other people. I didn't have that depth of, of a frame of reference, but I still knew that killing was bad. And yeah, I just, I don't know how you can justify that with with what was going on, but this, but Europe, Europe, man, different rules. Um, once they were released, Thompson and Venables were immediately put into witness protection and they were given new identities, probably smart. Um, they were barred from contacting each other and the Bolger family, uh, Bolger, Bolger. I don't even know how I've been saying it anyway, but they were barred from contacting each other and the Bolger family. They were barred from visiting the area where the murder took place and they were under a strict curfew every night. Um, any violation of those parameters would immediately send them back to prison. So, like, they were set free, but they were under some real, real strong restrictions. Uh, even more, British courts actually placed an injunction on the entire planet so that these two kids' new identities and locations would never be revealed. I don't know if that's legal. I don't know how you make that happen. But like, how have we not done this with literally everything? You know, like, why can't like when another country starts acting up, why can't we just like place an injunction on the entire world to just ignore them or like not even give them media? Like anytime North Korea starts acting up, why don't we just put an injunction on the entire world and just be like, don't pay attention to them. Just don't even trade with them. Don't do anything with just just ignore them. All right. This that that will fix this problem. I don't know. Seems like an idea. We should explore that. Um, Thompson, under his new identity, successfully disappeared from the public eye. No one knows um, what has happened to him. He has completely disappeared, gone off the grid. 
Um, Venables, however, he was sent back to prison uh, in 2010 for a violation of the terms of his release after he contacted his probation officer for fearing that his identity had been exposed. So I don't know. Maybe that's a poor, uh, you know, sort of circumstance, but probably not because when his probation officer arrived, he found Venables frantically trying to remove his computer's hard drive with a knife. And the officer then confiscated the computer and found 57 indecent images of children as young as two years old being raped by adults. So this guy, he's a real turd. Just a real terrible person because not only like, and who knows Thompson Thompson may have been doing all of this too, but he's kept his identity secret. He's not drawing attention to himself. Venables. He's a crazy person. And now he's got child porn, but he's also letting his probation officer, like probably what it was is just like, he downloaded all this child porn off the internet and then like put his identity out there. And then he's like, Oh no, bro. And now he's like, oh, I got to call my probation officer. I don't know why he talks like a bro now, but he does. And probation officer finds all this child porn, sends him back to prison. Um, Venables was, and here's the thing. This is, this is what might be the most enraging part of this whole story. Venables pleaded guilty to this, pleaded guilty to possessing child porn. And he was only given a two-year prison sentence. I don't know why. Maybe everyone had just conveniently forgotten that this guy had murdered a two-year-old in the past. But he just shows up to court. Or maybe the courts didn't know. Maybe it was under his new identity and his prior records had been sealed. Either way, either way, how you look at it, you're only going to get two years for possessing child porn? That doesn't seem right. Like, what's going on in Britain right now? Like, and, and I mean, I mean, we've, we had the Fred and Rosemary West episode. It's a terrible place. But uh, in 2017, after spending more time in and out of prison for, quote unquote, accidentally revealing his identity on multiple occasions, uh, Venables was arrested for even more child pornography. Uh, he pleaded guilty again, and he was only given a three year sentence now. So now and, and I, I, I'm just I'm at a loss for words because he. He's already maybe and maybe look, maybe he's just getting all of these new identities and maybe every single time the court just thinks that this is just some new dude who doesn't have a prior record. But like from 2010 to 2017, not only did he have the two year prison stay for the first child porn offense, but he's been back and forth in and out of prison for other violations of his terms for accidentally revealing his identity. He's just an idiot. This dude's just an idiot. And at some point, despite how inhumane as it sounds, and despite how offended some snowflakey libbies get, like, bro, you just got to kill some people. They're just, they they broke. They came out the factory defective. You got to recycle them, throw them back in the furnace and just get rid of them. They just, they don't work. At some point, and I get like, everyone deserves the right to live. At some point, you lose that right. At some point, you are such a piece of trash and you are negatively affecting so many people around you on top of not even positively contributing to society that we just got to collectively come together and just be like, bro, you're out. 
you know, you don't even, you don't even get an Island because islands are nice. Like you like firing squad or just random street justice. I don't know, but it doesn't work because for him to get a three year sentence for his, at least his second child pornography arrest is preposterously stupid. Um, and here's the thing by 2019, British authorities estimated that they had spent over $80,000 just trying to keep this guy's identity a secret. And they had actually begun making plans to just take him out of England altogether and resettle him in either Australia, New Zealand, New, New Zealand, really? <laughs> that's, that's funny. Uh, New Zealand or Canada. Um, and as of now, his whereabouts are unknown, but he's still alive. Unfortunately, he's out there somewhere. Maybe he's out in the wilderness of Canada, you know, humping a moose or something. Or maybe he's in the middle of the Australian outback, just existing and being a hermit. Maybe he's somewhere up in the mountains of New Zealand. Who knows? But just a terrible person as a whole, I think. Whole story, unfortunate. But John Venables, man, what a mistake of a creation. So there you go. That's that's why this story was an episode and and fits within this um the, this the show's theme. I mean, like, yeah, it's a murder, but then just everything around it, just two kids murdering another kid, but then this one turd who keeps just being allowed to live despite continuing to violate the agreements, and then they're just going to ship him off and just let him live out his life. It's just weird. It's weird response to this entire event. And let's so let's see. Let's recap. Let's see what we learned today that the British government clearly did not. What did we learn? Number one, Robert Thompson and John Venables uh, kidnapped two-year-old James Bulger and just murdered the hell out of him. I just super murder torture just ridiculous stuff until they and then they framed it as if he had just gotten run over by a train but then they couldn't keep their stories together uh number two they were both given uh put into witness protection they only served eight years for this heinous it's heinous this terrible murder only served eight years for it were let out when they were 18 years old um and put into witness protection and number three, Thompson, great job, buddy. You you got you were, seems like at least you're doing the most with your second chance, or maybe not. Maybe you're a terrible person and just under a new identity, uh, or you figured it out and you're living the best life possible. Venables, on the other hand, one of the worst people ever. Two separate child pornography charges, other violations of his terms, and then the British government equally stupid in all of this for not only letting them free in the first place, but giving this dude multiple chances and just letting him keep being a terrible person. Now, 
next week on Our Weird World, we're going to have another episode about boats. I don't know why. I don't like even care about boats that much, but there are a lot of weird stories around boats. We already had an episode, is episode 37, about some very, very sinkable ships. Uh, these ones, the ones that we're going to talk about next week, a little stranger. Uh, very weird stories. We're going to talk about the ghost ship of Northumberland Strait. We're going to talk about the Carol A. Deering, the Orang Madan, and the Utsurobun. Uh, just weird stories. Going to get a little paranormal because we haven't done that in a while. And so it's going to be nice. It's going to be a nice escape from the sadness and frustration over the last couple of episodes. All right. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully you are too. All right. That's going to do it for us this week. Uh, Thank you all for continuing to listen. Keep telling all your friends and keep it weird. (laughs) 